Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Is there anything that our powerful God cannot do? We know that God is all powerful. We know that God is all knowing. And he is ultimately wise. But if you were to sit with me three years ago in my front room, watching the Super Bowl, as a committed Christian and a committed Atlanta Falcons fan, coming onto the field in the second half at 8.13 in the evening, 28-3, to three-plus three touchdown lead on Bill Belichick. And that big old crybaby Tom Brady. Could anything possibly go wrong? Patriot fans call it a miracle. If it is a miracle, it's a miracle the Atlanta Falcons have yet to recover from. And maybe it was. God is certainly able to do such a thing, but why God would punish Boston College graduate Matty Ice that way, I have no idea. Here's the rub. I am not sure God in his grand design governs football. It's probably more clearer that the Patriots cracked the Falcons' code and they just cheated to how they win things all the time. I am biased. But really, when I really need something, when it really matters, even if it's a long shot, is God really able to help me? And once more, is he willing? In our Isaiah text this morning, God gives us a resounding yes. God is both able and God is willing at all times and in all places to rescue his beloved people, that he is at all times, for all intensive purposes, always on the side of his church. He is with his people, for his people, at all times and in all places. God is willing to bring his people back from Babylon. He tells us that even before they go into exile, that he is going to bring them back. God answers Israel's favoring, his, their, 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 their wavering faith in his ability, that he is willing to keep his promises. This is the power in which Isaiah preached a hundred years before the Babylonian captivity. In Isaiah's ministry, God is preparing them for what is going to happen. By their syncrety, syncretism, got that wrong. By their syncretism, that is the mixing of religions. By their mixing of their religions, by their unfaithfulness, 
This is where syncretism comes from. They are going into exile. We are called to fear and love and trust in God above all things. And the, the syncretism and the mixing of religions, the unfaithfulness that comes with that, is the cause of that exile. Now let's see if I can make somebody angry this morning. Fearing the Democrats more than you fear God is idolatry, unfaithfulness, and syncretism. Trusting the Republicans more than you trust in God is idolatry, unfaithfulness, and syncretism. We will fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Loving your country more than you love your God is unfaithfulness, it is syncretism, and it is idolatry. Israel, by their idolatry, by their unfaithfulness, by their syncretism, have brought upon themselves judgment. The land literally stunk with their sins. And that stench wafted up to the nose of God, and God took the people out of the land, cast them off onto Babylon in order to allow the land to recover from what they had done. And it may well seem on the surface that the Lord God had lost. It may well seem on the surface that the Babylonian gods had won, that they had done this unto Israel, but God is clear a hundred years before it happened, I am doing this to you. I am a loving father, and I'm going to justly punish you for your lack of faith and your idolatry. But he certainly didn't abandon them. Punishment is different than abandonment. So God provides an answer unto their weakness. And God provides an answer unto their doubts. And he reminds them that he is both infinitely able and lovingly willing to be for them. That's what brings about the punishment. It is also to bring them back unto their homeland, to guard them, to keep them as his beloved chosen people. God is more than willing to love, but he's also willing to discipline, which is tough. I look in my audience today and know you are all from a generation that knows what a switch looks like. <laughs> this is not a foreign concept to any of you. God gently chastens and warns his people. 21 through 26, which is a paraphrase, by the way. Do you not remember what I've been saying to you from the very beginning I am the Lord, the incomparable creator of heaven and earth, the true king of all kings. Of course, I am able. He continues in 27 and 31. Wait for me. Trust in me. And I will give you my strength. 
For despite how it looks, I have already spoken. I will never abandon you. I have already set in motion how I will carry it out and I, how I will bring you back from the land to Jerusalem. Initially, God saves Israel through Cyrus, the very first Persian king. But the Lord then promises us as well an ultimate savior who will rescue, who will protect us. That he will give back double blessings for all of our iniquity. God the Father answers us in our weakness as well. As we're tempted to love our temporal government more than God, as we're tempted to love our temporal life more than God, as we're tempted to be downcast, tempted to love and fear in anything other than God, tempted to trust and fear and things that are not even close to God, Although you might not want to tell them that. God the Father answers us in our weakness as well. He is able and He is willing to rescue us and to preserve us. His beloved Israel, His beloved church. And like Israel faced temptations to doubt whether God is able, they face temptations to doubt whether God was willing to protect them and to strengthen them. God says, I am more than able and I am more than willing to strengthen you. I am more than willing to protect you. And so today, sometimes we look around and we think that maybe the church is failing. Our congregations are shrinking. Our bills get harder to pay every year. Some want to strip us of our charitable status. Our culture is actively hostile to the message that we preach. I would get hate mail on a daily basis if anybody was paying attention to anything I had to say. We have a guard on our locked door just in case. America feels more like Babylon every single day. And we know it. And we feel it. But do not let that take your joy from the Lord away. We are tempted to simply join the culture around us and go, well, nobody cares. We'll just... Get along and live along. But God knows our need. And He has prepared for us an answer. He has prepared for us an answer long before we even asked the question. Christ our Lord is our answer. For He gently chides us for our lack of faith in Him and says, Do you not know? Have you not been told? Have I not explained this to you? From the very beginning of your life, you have known that I am the creator of heaven and earth, that I have watched you, I have guarded you, I have protected you, I will continue to do so until the end of your days. That God is the unbreakable word. That He is our true King. And unto Him shall we bow. And Him alone He is able. He rules over all and He does so for the sake of His church. And so it doesn't matter what everybody believes. It doesn't matter what everybody does. 
right? What'd your mom say? If everybody went and jumped off a bridge, would you jump off the bridge with them? Of course not. It doesn't matter what everybody else is afraid of. It doesn't matter what everybody else trusts in. It doesn't matter what everybody loves in. You be the people of God. You be the people of his pasture. You fear, love, and trust in God above all things. For God comforts you and he strengthens you today, even as he feeds you with his own body and blood of his son that he gave for the benefit of your souls. Jesus, the suffering servant of God, who paid for our, of our iniquity, who exchanged our weakness for his strength, who exchanged our sins for his righteousness. For our sake, the Father did not rescue him. He allowed him. He allowed him to endure the cross. He allowed him to endure the shame. He allowed him to endure the humiliation in front of all of the nations God laid his son bare. He did that for us. He is therefore able. He is therefore willing to rescue us from all of the things that are threatening us. Especially to protect us from our real enemies. Our real enemies of sin and death and hell. Sin, because it harms our neighbor just as much as it harms us. Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Do not hate. Do not lie. These are not rules that God has placed upon us in order to burden us. These are not rules that God gave us for the benefit of Him. These are rules that God gave us for the benefit of us. That we might live long in the land. That we might live long in our years. That we might always remember to fear, trust, and love in God above all things. A real enemy is death. For the wages of our sin is death. Our real enemy is hell, the abode of the dragon who hates you so very much and he hates your Lord and he hates your family and he hates everything that you hold dear in this life. And he will attack everything else in your life in order to separate you from that which is really and truly important. The promise is yours. It's God's promise to you. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not be weary. They will walk and they will not faint. Hear. Hear. In the midst of weakness, here in the midst of exile, here in the midst of unpopular song, here in the midst of unpopular speech, here, hidden, but already proclaimed, here our homeland in Christ, our Lord Jesus, our Lord and Savior forever and ever. In Jesus we praise. Amen.